Shalom and welcome back to another episode of Israel Policy Pod. I'm Eli Koaz in Tel Aviv. So we are almost two weeks after the July 1st uh, annexation date that was set. Annexation has not happened yet and we are happy to be joined today to talk a bit more about the annexation that's up in the air. We are joined by a frequent guest of the podcast, Dan Rotem. Uh, Dan is the CEO of Commanders for Israel Security, a alliance of over 300 retired IDF generals and their equivalents in the Shin Bet, the Mossad, and Israel Police. Uh, he also joins us um, from Tel Aviv. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here, Eli. How are you doing? I'm doing well, considering. Um... It's been an intense uh, few weeks at CIS. We're just putting the final touches on what was, you know, a pretty large advertising campaign that accompanied our other work, our lobbying effort, or advocacy effort, our uh, communications and PR um, arm. That so yeah. So let's let's start from let's start from the beginning and. Um... Maybe it would be great if you could tell our listeners a bit more about the Commanders for Israel Security, about their campaign uh, leading up to July 1st um, and ongoing now trying to raise the alarm um, for the Israeli public and for Israeli policymakers in particular about um, the uh, the ramifications or potential ramifications of, of annexation. Yes, yeah, so... Um CIS first started dealing with annexation, I guess it was two, two and a half years ago, when at the time Amnon Reshef, our chairman, sat us all down and notified us that we're going to embark on a large-scale study on the ramifications of annexation. Uh, we all thought he was crazy at the time, but we did form six teams dealing with the different aspects that will be affected uh, by unilateral annexation in the West Bank. And that effort ultimately culminated in a, I believe, 330 pages of a report that I don't recommend that anybody reads. Um, It does have a 35-page summary that I recommend everybody reads and basically lays out the consequences associated with unilateral annexation of the West Bank. Um, So based on that work, we have, the the work was concluded about a year and a half ago, uh, almost two years now. And based on this work, we have started engaging the Israeli public, Israeli decision makers, influencers, elites, media, in trying to raise alarm uh, regarding the issue of annexation. Let's be mindful, or at least let's recall, that the issue of annexation has made its way from the fringes of the ideological right into the mainstream of Israeli discourse, really in unprecedented velocity. It's, you know, only a couple of years ago, it was really a fringe issue, and now it is 
a primary item in the coalition agreement between Likud and Blue White. So really CIS has been, you know, front and center in trying to fend off this issue or the advantage of unilateral annexation and throughout three election cycles. And then now with the coalition agreement and the run up to the July 1st timestamp. Exactly. And even at a time when a global pandemic is also in Israel, um, a second wave of the coronavirus is all over. And it seems like, at least this week, annexation, it's not the first news story you see, but it still seems like it's a priority for the Netanyahu government. I wanted to ask you, so usually when decisions are made that could jeopardize or have an effect on Israeli security, the IDF and the various security divisions such as the Shin Bet and the Mossad are all consulted and homework is done before any move is made. Obviously, you mentioned the report that CIS put together a few years ago and that Israel Policy Forum promoted in the United States. Has a process like that been done at all by the policymakers who are talking about making these decisions? The short answer is no. Um, and the reason for that is that Netanyahu and a close circle of advisors, Israeli and American, have been, you know, holding their plans very close to their chest, holding their cards. Um, it's, they have not laid out the various uh, options that they're considering for professional review by the security apparatus. And to the extent that you know, the IDF, Shinbet, other agencies have conducted some uh, war games, some uh, planning. They did it based on their understanding of the, the spectrum of possibilities of annexation, both, you know, um, geographical and legal, the, the various themes that are involved in the in annexation. So it was on their own initiative and their conclusions may or may not have filtered up, but for a variety of reasons, it feels like, you know, the political, political echelon does not want to elicit the professional opinion of the security apparatus. Definitely concerning to hear that. Um, but tell me, Dan, have you seen a change um, I don't know how much polling uh, you've done of the Israeli public recently, but um, obviously Israeli public divided on the issue of annexation and also the Israeli public unclear what this annexation that the government is planning really means um, for Israel. But with uh, the spread of COVID-19 and the high unemployment rate in Israel, I believe it's at 20%, which is one of the highest um, in the world as a result of this uh, crisis. Do you think annexation is a priority for the Israeli public? And do you see a change um, in terms of maybe people beforehand, this wasn't an issue for them, they didn't really care about it? Um, now is it something like that there's more of a focus on this not being the time for such a move? 
So that's a really good question in the sense that, first of all, let me reflect very briefly on the Israeli public at large. First of all, we've known from many polls that over the past mm, 15 years, certainly the last decade, the Palestinian question has been a non-issue for the Israeli public at large. The conflict is not imminent in their lives. Whatever escalations there are, are usually geographically limited to areas that are that, that are not in you know the main hub of, of Israeli population in and around Tel Aviv. This is not just a Tel Aviv issue, but you know escalations are limited to the Gaza envelope um, or you know the Knives Intifada in Jerusalem or some attacks in the you know Etzion block, and, and they're usually contained, um, especially when it comes to you know the social psychological effect that they have on the Israeli public at large. Um, so, and that's a very consistent finding that we've seen in polls and focus groups uh, throughout the past decade. Enter annexation, um, coupled with, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and annexation is such an unfamiliar term uh, or a concept for the Israeli public. Um, so it's not just that they're not interested in, in the Palestinian question at large, they have no idea what we're talking about when we're talking about annexation. Um, and then you add the layer of the pandemic, its health and economic ramifications. This issue has been so marginal for the Israeli public. I cannot overstate that. Having said that for the past, you know, couple of months, we've seen the media increasingly focus on the question of annexation. You could not pick up, you know, a Friday newspaper, a weekend edition, without running into many analysis on the question of annexation, political, security, diplomatic, uh, etc. You know, many opinions, but such a focus, heightened media focus, on, on something that the public at large was not interested. It was an interesting phenomenon to see. Uh, some of it was certainly uh, the heightened ten attention uh, brought forth by the July 1st timestamp. And again, this was not like a deadline for annexation. You know, your initial question was like, is this on the agenda, off the agenda now? July 1st, I forget where I read it, so I'm not going to give the right credit, not because I don't want to, but just because my memory betrays me. But somebody described July 1st as the beginning of a hunting season, okay, as far as annexation is concerned. <laughs> and I generally agree with that. Actually, the limelight and the media attention on the relevant players leading up to July 1st made their job more difficult, okay? If you're, you know... The, the, the proponents of annexation in the context of the Trump plan, be it the U.S. ambassador here, David Friedman, Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Ron Dermer, um, Avi Berkowitz, wh whoever was trying to forge a deal, it was made that much more difficult when every you know morning and afternoon, Benny Gantz or Gabi Ashkenazi had to answer questions about annexation. When the king... The Jordanian king or, or, you know, Jordanian emissaries or 
Arab Gulf Partners published op-eds. Boris Johnson publishes op-eds here. Respectfully and humbly, CIS runs, you know, ads and, and billboards on, on, on buses and in major newspapers, you know, calling attention to this issue. This was not a, um, a, an optimal environment by which to conduct very delicate discussions trying to bring this into fruition. Uh, in that sense, now that the media's attention is elsewhere, and rightfully so, um, I'm a bit concerned that they have more, you know, peace and quiet in which they can forge a deal. And that the next time we run into an, an, the, the next manifestation of, of the annexation discourse is going to be facing almost a fait accompli as far as a possible Netanyahu-Gantz agreement on, on an annexation package. Before I want to ask you about some other uh, developments when it comes uh, to annexation and the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, but before that, do you want to maybe give our listeners, if they want to find out more about the CIS campaign, where they can where they can do that? Oh, uh, of course. So we wrapped up an advertising campaign that accompanied our other ongoing efforts. Um, uh, yeah, you can go online, Eli. I'm sure you'll put paste the link to the notes. You can find it at um, eyes.cis.org.il forward slash en for English. Um, and our listeners can see all our ads and material associated with this campaign here. Uh, you can also visit our regular website, you know, at cis.org.il and uh, find all our plans and our reports and our op-eds are also featured there. Thank you for that, Dan, and I'll be sure to include that link. Um, Dan, you are CEO of Commanders for Israel Security, but you're also a political analyst. Is that is that correct? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's how what you're described in your official bio online. Oh, if someone okay. googles you, so I want to ask you about a development uh, in the American Jewish community in the United States. Obviously popular writer and author Peter Beinart, who wrote uh, his book 10 years ago, an essay that turned both the crisis of Zionism, where he talked about his concern for Israel's future and their treatment of the Palestinians and how Israel needs to move to two-state solution. So he, he published a an essay in the Jewish Currents, and he published a New York Times op-ed titled, I No Longer Believe in a Jewish State. He doesn't live in Israel, but he is a very popular Jewish liberal voice in the United States. And I think the timing is interesting as he kind of did this before any annexation actually happened, where he essentially believes that a two-state solution is impossible and talks about the possibility of it's got a blend of a confederation or a binational state. Um, what's your take on this change of position, it can be from him in particular, but in general, are, like, are you concerned about a growing group of liberal Zionists and also maybe politicians in the United States turning away from, from two states and pushing for this option? What's your, what's your two cents? Well, I can, I can appreciate their frustration with the pursuit of two states, uh, but I certainly do not share their prognosis. 
of what should happen here. I think they are underestimating, perhaps because of the physical distance. Well, physical distancing is very important these days. It is. Uh, But it's a different kind of distance we're talking about. Correct. Um, I mean, they're underestimating, you know, the dominant national nationalistic dimension of this conflict. And they ignore it at their own risk as they prescribe different solutions. These two peoples, Israeli Jews and Palestinian Arabs, you know, they, they hold very real and fierce nationalist uh, worldviews. They are, although the, like, like, you know, my friend and colleague Ofer Zalzberg just today we talked about it. He said, you know, that the, that the national, the Palestinian national movement is in a crisis, but Palestinian nationalism is very strong and dominant, both in Fatah and Hamas. And also in Israel, you know, the shift political right is, is also a manifestation of, of national and identity um, themes. And so, you know, the, the, the general distrust and mistrust of each other, you know, they, they each want to be, you know, a master of their own fate and, and have their own self-determination. Um, there's absolutely very little willingness to share power, certainly on the Jewish-Israeli side, um, within a, a massive Palestinian population. Um, and so you need political separation between the two, uh, ultimately into two states. That will give an answer. Now, uh, the, that does not mean that each side don't hold value or attributes value or uh, have a connection and affinity, historical, religious what have you, to areas, you know, that would ultimately come under the sovereignty of the other state. So Palestinians, certainly the refugee diaspora, the refugee community in the diaspora, but also in the West Bank and Gaza, you know, hold connection to what, you know, the Israel proper and Jews, we view Judea and Samaria as, you know, the cradle of our uh, identity and heritage, certainly those on the religious um, worldview. And so, and so these two states will need to somehow accommodate um, those aspects that are very much intertwined together with their national worldview held by most people. So it is very hard for me to envision, it's not hard for me, one state is not a solution, one state is a reality that is violent, bloody, you know, it's a one state, it would be a one state plagued by civil war. Um, And so I find, while I find the despair and the frustration with the inability to reach a two-state solution thus far, understandable, but that does not breed, you know, a fantastical, solution that is uh, viable or desirable as far as I'm concerned.
Yes, and obviously stopping annexation is critical in making sure that the direction is towards separation and an eventual two-state solution and not this disastrous uh, binational future that, as you explained, really uh, would not be easy to implement and really isn't in the identity of either of the peoples. Mm-hmm. So with that, Dan, um, I'd like to thank you. Anything else before we before we go? Um, no, I just wish everybody good health. Perhaps we'll have some baseball on TV soon. I know you're excited about it. Um, we'll see if that will really happen. Uh, stay distant. Stay indoors. Wear masks. Beautiful. Okay. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dan Rotem, CEO of Commanders for Israel's Security, uh, for joining us. Always great to, to hear from you. And we'll make sure to have you on the podcast again soon. I appreciate it. Awesome. Take care, everybody.